You're listening to a message from Gateway Church Geelong. We hope it blesses you. For more information about Gateway, visit gc.org.au. So this morning, uh, who, who loves the fact that our declaration this year is relationship with God, grace to all? I absolutely, I, I love it because it's the word of God. And uh, this morning, I'm going to talk to us about the ways of Jesus. This is a new series that we're starting that's running in conjunction with our declaration over the year. And in particular today, I'm going to be talking about at the table. And uh, not the same messages that you've heard before about at the table, not, not, from, not from Psalm 23. We're, we're going to be looking at Jesus, the ways of Jesus, and what happens when he is at the table. And it's our heart that everybody has the opportunity for a relationship with God with God and, and to know his grace. Amen. And it's the heart of God. And I, I, I truly believe it's the heart of God that each of us can be instrumental in seeing this opportunity offered for all. It's not something that's just offered on a Sunday morning. Wouldn't that be terrible if hope and grace was just offered on a Sunday morning? No, Jesus, Jesus wants us to be instrumental in seeing that offered with people. But the question today is, how? That's what, that's what I want to answer today through today's message, is the how. how. How do we see the hope of Jesus offered to people through us as well? The short answer is relationship with others. It's great to have relationship with God. And that, I mean, that's the first step of our salvation. But from there, we need to take that relationship with him and reveal it to others. How do we do that? Through relationship with others. As we go through this morning, it's going to be unpacked further and further and further. But when we talk about relationship with others, more specifically, it's about building relationships with people in the same way that Jesus did. This is why today we're going to talk about the ways of Jesus. It's, it's important that we, and it's imperative that we know the ways of Jesus. The, the heart of God, the mission of God is to restore sons and daughters to himself. Amen. He sent Jesus to take the sin of the world as an everlasting sacrifice that makes way for all to have a relationship with God. He gives us freedom from the sins of Adam. Amen. And he asks us to join him in his mission, in his commission. Maybe you've heard this before. Maybe this is the first time. But God asks us to join him in his mission. In Mark 16 verse 15, it says this. He said to them, go throughout the whole world and preach the gospel to all people. What's the gospel? The hope of Jesus, the salvation of Jesus. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, it says, go out and make disciples of all nations, ceremonially wash them through the baptism in the name of the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then disciple them, form them in the practices and postures that I have taught you and show them how to follow the commands I've laid down for them. And I'll be with you day after day to the end of the age. So when you have a personal relationship with God and a discipleship with God, He saves you refines you, leads you. I want to encourage you today that God's refining and renewal in you looks like, looks like Him healing the parts of ourselves that need to be restored. What are those things? Our emotions, our thought processes, our emotional attachment, our practices. 
Insert whatever you want in a comma after that, amen. What are the things in you that God needs to refine and restore and heal? I I said it a couple of weeks ago that your relationship with God has to impact you and it has to impact others. But first, it needs to impact you and I. It has to impact us deeply and personally so that it can impact others. And so I put it to you today that we each need to be impacted by the ways of Jesus and then activate the ways of Jesus. Often we look at uh, activating spiritual practices, uh, prayer, Bible reading, worship. And let's be clear, rightly so, those things need to be activated in our lives. They're the ways of Jesus that should be activated. But the ways of Jesus also need to be activated in our hearts and our minds, not just in our spirit. Amen. Romans 12 verse 2, forgive me if you've heard this scripture 1,800 times, but you're going to hear it for 1,801 today. Amen. Romans 12 verse 2, don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Our mind needs to be renewed so that we can not just understand and hear the ways of Jesus, but activate them for daily living. So that we're not doing the same things that everybody else is doing in the world. The customs and culture of the world aren't meant to be part of your daily practice and your mind. It says in the New New King James Version for Romans 12 verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world. Who knows? It's too easy to do that. Too easy to be conformed to the things of the world. And and often when you hear things like like that that I just said, we always think in extremes. It's like, oh, I'm I'm not conformed to like murdering people. Well, that's like a little bit extreme. What about the small normal things? Where we where we sit around a table and we talk about that person who was on a TV show last night and they did this and they did that and there are this and there are that, conform to the practices and customs of this world, the culture of this world. See, as His ways impact you, renew you, He prepares you to impact others. And what we're going to look at in the Scriptures today is about the ways of Jesus and how they impacted others. Because I truly believe that the Bible isn't a story for us to read and be entertained by. It's the real life of Jesus that we can learn from and activate in our own lives. Matthew eleven nineteen says this. This is the Jesus that, that we follow. The Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and of other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. See, in Jesus' day, the religious leaders, the self-appointed religious leaders of the day, decided that because he sat around tables with people who weren't as holy as them, that he was just as bad as the people he was sitting with. Can I encourage you? I would love to be accused of that. Let, let me be accused of that. Let me be accused of sitting with people who don't know Jesus yet. 
Let me be accused of people who haven't had the heard, heard the good news of Jesus yet. Let me be accused of sitting with those people. It's about at the table. And we're going to look at seven quick examples of the ways that the ways of Jesus and the results of his ways because wisdom is shown right by its results. First one this morning is dining with challenging or difficult people. Some people are like, oh, that sounds good. Other people are like, oh, no, I, I, flee. I flee from those moments. I don't want to be around challenging or difficult people. Let's look at the scripture this morning. Luke 5, 27 to 32. Sometime later, Jesus walked along the street and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in his tax office. Jesus, follow me. And Levi did, got up from his desk, left everything just as the fisherman had and followed Jesus. Verse 29, this is where it gets interesting. Shortly after this, Levi invited his many friends and associates, including many tax collectors, to his home for a large feast in Jesus' honour. Everyone sat at the table together. The Pharisees and their associates, religious scholars, got got attention of some of Jesus' disciples. These are some of the other things that can happen at the table. The difficult, challenging people. Pharisees in low voices. What's wrong with you? Why are you eating and drinking with tax collectors and other immoral people? Can you feel the judgment? Jesus answering for his disciples, don't try and slip anything past Jesus. He knows exactly what's going on. doesn't matter how low your voice is. He knows what's going on. Healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. I've come for the, I haven't come for the pure and upstanding. I've come to call notorious sinners to rethink their lives and turn to God. See, it's healthy to be invited to a table with others who think differently from you. It's healthy to be invited to that table. But what about when they begin to call you out for your beliefs? Will you react? Will you get upset? Will you go silent? Will you never attend their table again? Or will you remind them and point them to Jesus? Will you remind them of his hope? So Jesus was prepared to dine and be around challenging people. Who are the challenging people in your life that need you to activate the ways of Jesus? See, maybe you've been trapped into this mentality of, if only they would just change, our dinner times would be better. Maybe they're not the people that need to change. Maybe there's things in us that's stopping us from being able to sit at the table with challenging people so that we can encourage them and point them to Jesus. Maybe he wants to refine and renew our hearts and our minds. Learn to dine with difficult people well. That is the ways of Jesus. Number two, the uninvited or unexpected guest. This is from Luke 7, 36 to 50. This is what it says. Then one Pharisee asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, bought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. 
and stood at his feet behind him weeping and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and is anyone like getting a little bit like feet? What's Oh, imagine sitting at the table and someone touching your feet. Yeah, it's real. This, this, is where it gets, this is where it gets wonderful though. And wiped them with the hair of her head and she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this and spoke to himself saying, this man, if he was a prophet, he, he would know and what matter, manner of woman this is touching him. But she, she's a sinner. Can you feel the judgment again? And Jesus answered him and said to him, Simon, I have, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debitors and one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing which with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one who forgave more. He said to him, you've rightly judged. And then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then Jesus turns to her in verse 48. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. So I want to, I want to encourage you. There are, there are people who may come to your table or you may go to their table. Unexpected guests, people there who you weren't expecting to be dining with. Jesus wasn't expecting to be dining with this woman. He was expected to be dining at the table of Simon. But there was an unexpected and uninvited guest who needed to know the love of Jesus. See, often in these moments we can, perhaps, perhaps you've been invited to go out to lunch with someone and you're thinking it's just going to be you and them, but they've invited somebody else. You're like, and you rock up and say, hmm. Thought this was a, a me and them moment. Can I encourage you to know maybe, just maybe, it's a you, them and Jesus moment. Maybe they've been invited to your table as an unexpected guest because there is a breakthrough and a salvation and a hope that needs to happen in their life. The unexpected guests at your table need an encounter with the ways of Jesus to be seen, offered forgiveness in Jesus and to be known by God the Father. It's time for the uninvited guests to come home to the Father. Amen. Number three, feeding the 5,000. In this, this is in Luke 9, 10 to 17, but in this passage of scripture, we see Jesus preaching the kingdom of God and healing those who are in need. And as the day progresses on, people are hungry and he asks his disciples to join him in a miracle of provision in, in food for the people who are there. Can I encourage you in, in our daily lives, often when we meet the basic needs of the people around us, it can minister to a person's heart way more than preaching this, preaching that, 
Yes, we want to point people to the hope of Jesus. But if people are hungry, if people don't have any clothes, if people don't have any water, how can they hear? How can they hear if they're struggling for basic necessity? I need, to, I need my, something in my stomach so that I can focus on what you're saying. It seems too simple, doesn't it? But Jesus asked his disciples to join him in seeing that miracle happening. If there's people who you come into contact with and they're struggling for food, struggling for shelter, whatever it may be, can I encourage you? Jesus is asking you to join him in seeing a miracle for those people. I know it sounds too simple, but the people that God brings into our lives, it can minister to their heart. The outcome of that moment is relationship, trust, integrity is built, and doors are opened for deeper conversation. It doesn't just stop at providing food, shelter, clothing. See, is someone around you hungry or thirsty? Are they physically in need of care? Are they spiritually in need of care? Could someone in your world benefit from a provision that is a miracle for them and their family? It's about the ways of Jesus. Number four, restoring power. Luke 14, 1 to 24 and this passage of Scripture talks about when Jesus healed on, on, on the Sabbath day. And this is what it says in verse 1. One Sabbath day, Jesus went to eat dinner in the home of a leader of the Pharisees. And the people were watching him closely. There was a man there whose arms and legs were swollen. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts of the law, is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath day or not? When they refused to answer, can you imagine the eerie silence? It's like, we say yes, if we say no, if we say maybe. I just love the heart of Jesus here. As they refused to answer, Jesus touched the sick man and healed him and sent him away. Then he turned and said to them, which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath if your son or cow falls in a pit? Don't you rush to get him out? Again, they could not answer. Jesus is calling us to see people who are in need spiritually, physically, need healing, need provision of God, asking us to see them as if they are our own. Our own sons, our own daughters, our own prized possessions that help us do the work that we need to do during the week. He's calling us to look at people who are in need, carrying affirmities in their body. And it's like, see them as your own. Wouldn't you jump? Wouldn't you go as quickly as you could? Wouldn't you do something? Wouldn't you call all your friends around to save your child, to save those important things that you have? I just want to encourage you when, you, when people come to your table and you can see that they're struggling physically, see that they're struggling emotionally, see they're struggling in their, their spirituality, whatever it may be, consider your responses in wisdom at those moments. Because often when someone says, oh, I'm just really struggling with like, this thing with my hand, it's like, well, what have you been eating? Like, have, have you been doing any exercise? Have you been doing your stretches? All relevant things. But we've got our mums to take care of that, right? We don't need, we don't need another mum. We've, we've got someone in our world that comes to us with that stuff. What they need is the power of Jesus to come to the table. They need us as individuals to be activated to share the power of Jesus in that moment. Let the healing flow at your table. 
Can I encourage us as well? It's like, are your conversations around the table biblical? Are your conversations a gateway to the kingdom of God? In verse 15 to 24 of that chapter, Jesus shares that for whatever reason, if people don't want to sit around your table because they're too busy, have excuses, it's okay to invite some new people who wouldn't normally sit at your table. It's okay to invite someone who doesn't normally sit at your table. Don't, don't get so enamoured that you have to have a certain group of people at your table because there are some people outside beyond your reach that need to know the power of Jesus at your table. Look beyond what your normal reach is and look to people who need to be in the kingdom of God. Amen. Verse 23, it says, Then the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. Let your table be filled with people who don't know the saviour of the world yet. Let your table be a table that restores people to God's house. Are your conversations offering restoration and healing at your table? Are your conversations offering a gateway to the kingdom of God? Number five, invite yourself into someone's world. Luke 19, the story of Zacchaeus, for those who aren't familiar with it, he was a, the chief tax collector. Not many people liked him. He was a short little man. And uh, Zacchaeus found himself in this place where he was intrigued by Jesus and had only expected to observe him from a distance. He was so short that he had to climb a tree to be able to see Jesus. He's the little guy from our Sunday school stories that we grew up with that couldn't see over the, cl- over, over the crowd. And I imagine that he was trying to catch a glimpse of Jesus, but I imagine that he was completely shocked when Jesus saw him. Here he is, up a tree. Like, I just I want to catch a glimpse of this person that everybody's talking about, only to be shocked when Jesus is like, I, I see you. I see you. See, being the chief chief tax collector, not many people wanted to associate with him because he was taking money for the Romans, but also skimming some off the top from the people as well. Looked down upon. He was a, a societal pariah is probably the best way to explain it. Just on, on the outside of society, classified as a sinner by the people and as far as they were concerned, there's no way that anyone like that could get close to Jesus. All the while not knowing that Zacchaeus, just like everybody else, was in need of salvation. It was unlikely that he would feel worthy of God's love. See, ironically, has anyone ever looked up the meaning of the name Zacchaeus? I, I hadn't. All the way from Sunday school, all the way it, it whacked me like a big stick. Zacchaeus means pure or innocent. So when Jesus called out to Zacchaeus, he saw Zacchaeus' potential. He saw that Zacchaeus could be pure. Zacchaeus could be innocent, but he needed an, needed an encounter with Jesus first. Saw the potential rather than his current situation. Let's read the scripture. Jesus entered Jericho and passing through. A man there by the name of Zacchaeus, he was a 
chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see Jesus, but was because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. He invited himself to somebody's table. Yes, that may feel awkward, but when God speaks to you and you know that you need to have an encounter with someone, that Jesus needs to come to their table, these are the ways of Jesus. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to matter. He, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner, the judgment again that rises up within us. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody, if I have cheated anybody out of it, anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. How? by sitting at his table? Is there someone that needs you to reach out to them? Is there someone who needs you to call them and allow them to be known and loved by God so that they can be seen as pure and innocent through the eyes of Jesus, to bring salvation to somebody's house? When you're invited to somebody's house, when you invite yourself to somebody's house, can you bring salvation to the house with you? It's the ways of Jesus. Number six, allow your meal to serve others. Jesus' last meal, the Passover meal, communion that we celebrate, Holy Communion that we celebrate on Sunday mornings as we remember what Jesus has done and who he is. So this meal reveals that Jesus, the Lamb of God, that through Christ there's a new covenant for each and every single one of us and that we're to remember him and remember his sacrifice through communion See, Jesus is the centre of this meal. But Jesus didn't host the dinner for himself. This wasn't a victory lap. This wasn't, I've, I've done my three years, I'm about to go, let's have a party because of who I am. Now, that's, that's not Jesus' heart. He invites them to the Passover meal, invites them to the communion meal. He's like, some stuff's about to happen. It's about to get very real. I'm about to go to the cross, go to the grave and rise again. Their lives were about to be changed forever. He could have talked about how terrible the suffering of the cross was going to be. But instead, he focuses on what they would need to remember him through that night. This is a picture of what's about to happen. This meal centres you and focuses you on what's important, that I'm going to the cross, I'm going to the grave, and I'm going to rise again in power and victory on the third day. So the question for each of us is, do we see our meals as ways to serve others? Do we see our meals as inviting people around a meal that points people to Jesus as the centre of our lives, the centre of that fellowship time together? Allow your meal to serve others. Not a, not a celebration or a tribute to yourself because of this wonderful thing that you've done, 
but bringing people around your table to point them to Jesus, that they remember that Jesus is the centre of our lives. Last one this morning, open eyes over dinner. Uh, After the resurrection, Jesus appeared to his followers on the road to Emmaus. Um, With his identity cloaked by God, he talked to them and about all that had happened and explained the scriptures to them. And Jesus took them through the writing of Moses and the minor prophets and explaining the scriptures to all things concerning Jesus, the saviour of the world. And they couldn't get enough of what he was saying in, in in the scriptures. And they implored him, please, can you stay with us for dinner? Don't go back now, it's too late. Stay, stay with us for dinner. And as soon as he gave thanks and broke the bread around the meal, a picture of the Last Supper, their eyes were opened. They were dining with the risen Saviour. Not only that, but they've been taught to understand the Scriptures. Who is God asking you to come to your table and as you break bread with them, that their eyes will be opened to see Jesus, that even as they ask questions about the scriptures and you may not have all the answers, but can you just point people to Jesus? Can you point people to his hope? See, maybe you, you can't explain all the scriptures in the same way that Jesus did, but, but can you share about the difference that Jesus has made in your life since you started a relationship with him? Perhaps their eyes can be opened as simply as this. So one of the great testimonies of Jesus being at the table is that he would bring function and miracles to the lives of people at the table. I just want to encourage you for a moment. Just, just open your heart for a moment this morning. I, I strongly felt this yesterday, just as I was just pondering and focusing on today, today's message, that Jesus wants to remove the dysfunction from your table. Maybe for some of you, like, what, what does that even mean? See, Jesus wants to release function so that your table can be a place of ministry and miracles, so that your table can outpour the hope of Jesus and point people to Jesus. But my encouragement for you today is it starts with your table. It's not as simple as just ringing up some people and inviting people over for food. Yep, that'll be a wonderful time. It'll go down in history because your smoked meat meat was the greatest. But if that's all it is, if it doesn't connect to a deeper level into the hearts and lives of each of us, see, if your table, and just this is a moment of, of just surrendering your heart to Jesus this morning. Don't take this in offence. This is Jesus speaking to you and calling you to remove dysfunction and bring beautiful function, the ways of Jesus, to your table. If your table is sprinkled with silence, if your table is, has disconnection, if your table has grudges and pain and trauma and emotional disconnection and gossip and slander and the list goes on, what happens at our table dictates what's imparted to the people who are sitting at our table. Jesus wants to come and bring healing and wholeness to everyone at your table, but it starts with you. What needs to be introduced to your table 
What needs to be activated at your table? What does Jesus want to remove from your table? Can I tell a short story as we come to the end this morning? Around between three and four years ago, uh, Naomi and myself were talking. We're like, we, we need to sort out what happens at our, at, our, at our dinner table. We need our kids to come and sit down at the table. We sit around together. We need to pray over our meal. We need to get, and not to say that we weren't doing that, but it was, it was sporadic. It was, it was here and there and that kid was in that room and it's like, oh, I'm just going to keep skating outside. It's like, ah. Does anyone else get really upset when you prepare a full meal and it goes cold at the table? See, it's not just me, eh? It's not just me. We'll, we'll start a group afterwards. It's about bringing function to your table, bringing Jesus to your table. So we decided... Three and a half, four years ago. It's like we're going to sit down at the table together. The TV is like we need to sit and focus. We need to be together. We need to talk. We need to share good words and kindness with each other. Not, it's not easy, amen. I've got three wonderful teenagers and they like, they like to poke at each other just a little bit. But be persistent, be courageous in bringing function to your table. The words we speak out of our mouths, that, that if, you, if you can't keep yourself, you know, if you can't keep hold of the words that come out of your mouth, allow your partner to say, hey, maybe that was like not the right thing to say right now. Bring function, bring healing. Allow God to speak to you through the other people who are at your table as well, amen. It should be a... It should be a, a place where the ways of Jesus are known. See, being around a meal or a table eating food is a place of welcome. It's disarming. It's not confronting. It's comforting. It's a place for difficult people. It's a place for unexpected guests. It's a place for feeding people, both physically and spiritually. It's a place for God's restoring power. It's a place to invite yourself into somebody else's world. It's a place to serve others. It's a place for relationship. It's a place for ministry. It's a place for learning His ways from others. It's a place for ministry. It's, it's a place for those who think different. It's a place for miracles, amen. It's a place for people to become followers of God. How does that happen? It starts with you. Bring the ways of Jesus to your table. And if that means he needs to remove some stuff from your heart and your mind to be renewed, you need to allow it to happen. Otherwise, your table will stay dysfunctional and Jesus can't minister from your table. I know, I know it sounds like real, but it's, it's just, it is what it is. We need Jesus to be able to transform us so our table can look like an inviting place where someone can come and sit down and meet Jesus. How do we begin to activate the ways of Jesus? Make room for Jesus to minister to you so that then you can minister in the simple ways. And then invite someone to your table. Start with the simple. Share a testimony of hope. Can I encourage you that if you're invited to someone's table, take the opportunity. Don't let it go. Take the opportunity to be invited to somebody's table. Why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment this morning.
Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit. Lord God, I pray for each and every single one of us that today as we've entered this new moment of acknowledging the ways of Jesus, God, I pray that today that you're speaking to our hearts, that there's things that we need to practically activate, but there's also things that we need to spiritually activate. Need to allow you to come and continue to refine us and renew our minds so that we become more like you, more Christ-like. Holy Spirit, I pray in, in those deepest areas of our hearts and our minds that are off limits. Holy Spirit, I pray for each one of us today. Let us have the courage and the boldness to say today, it's not off limits. Jesus, I bring it to You. Come and refine it. Come and renew it. Take it out. Put the function of Jesus into my life. Holy Spirit, reveal that to hearts right now. Reveal it to hearts right now. For those who who don't know You personally, who don't have a relationship with You, God. Holy Spirit, come and make Yourself known to them today. Come and make Yourself known to them today. Just as every eye is closed this morning, if, if you don't know Jesus, I'm gonna pray a prayer in a moment, just inviting Jesus into your heart. I'm gonna invite you to pray it after me. Acknowledging that Jesus is your Saviour, your hope, offers forgiveness of sin, loves you, allows you to be known in a relationship with God. If that's you, just before we pray, with everyone's eyes closed, if that's you, can I, can I invite you just to put your hand up? Once you put your hand up, you can put it back down. Is there anyone today that say, yeah, oh, thank you, awesome. Awesome, thank you. Thank you. Anyone else today? Don't let this moment pass you by. This is, this is the hope and salvation of Jesus. It's time to come home to God the Father. He loves you so much. So anybody else this morning, if you're online today, this is for you. Don't let this moment pass you by. You can just respond where you are. So yeah, that's me. I, I need Jesus. Anybody else in the room to see, I, I need a revelation of how much God loves me and Jesus was the answer for that. Anyone else? Just as everyone's eyes are closed this morning, whether you've put your hand up or whether you haven't, can I, can I invite you, if you don't know Him or you know that you need to come back in a relationship, pray this prayer after me. If you're in the room, can, can you join us in praying? Let's pray. Dear God, I thank You that You sent Jesus to die on a cross, to be buried and rise again. I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that You did that. I come to You today acknowledging that there's sin in my heart. But today, Jesus, I turn to You Forgive me, I surrender. From this day on, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you pray that prayer for the first time, can I encourage you? Well done. If you pray that prayer because you knew that you needed to get yourself back right with Him, well done. But don't let it stop there. This is just the beginning. If you're watching online and you pray that prayer, you can go to GC org.au forward slash first steps. All the information is there about how to follow Jesus and how to get in contact with us because we want to see you flourish in following Jesus. If you're in the